Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm... So sorry. And that was Blue Boy with Grey Fission. Hey there, friends. I'm Nuclear Yuki, and welcome back to a nuclear reading show. Today, we're continuing Somber's Fallout Equestria Project Horizons. If you're enjoying what I'm bringing to the wasteland, don't be afraid to tell your friends about me. Find me on Twitter as Nuclear Yuki. You could also do us a great favour and check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash A-N-R-S. This story does include some graphic scenes that may be distressing to some people. Your own discretion in listening is advised. And also, since the gangs are still being feisty, Fallout is owned by Bethesda, and Hasbro made My Little Pony Friendship as Magic. With all that said and done, welcome, friends, to the Wasteland. Chapter 3. Learning Curve. We waited in the Withers Public School till morning. Really, once the flies and the reek of rotting meat reached a certain point, all of us were glad to get out of there. I still resembled a mummy with all the bandages coiled around me. But the healing magic was doing the trick, though it had taken two healing potions to bring me back from the gunshots to my back and the back of my head. My luck was still holding out. The first had just grazed my skull rather than turning it into all kinds of bloody brains, and the second had been slowed by what was left of my barding and lodged on the muscle at the base of my neck. Fortunately, even P21's minimal medical skills were up to removing it. I'd taken some time looking at a map on the wall of the classroom, It was badly stained and aged, but I could make out the name of Withers and a road leading to what seemed like a big city. Hoofington. One of the cities Hoss had mentioned when he described the balefire bombs going off. There were other strange posters rotting in their frames. In the office, a pink pony with her mane striped almost identical to mine, but pink and grey rather than black and red, 
stared out with a grin above a caption that read, Trouble can start in the smallest places. A purple unicorn sat on the library wall, looking clever and surrounded by floating books, saying, We need every idea. Well, that's what I thought it had said. Some wit had scratched out idea and written penis. I got the joke. In the nurse's office, a soulful yellow pegasus hugged a bunny while telling me, Little ouchies are still ouchies. I knew there'd been a war. Even security ponies had to learn history in 99. Zebras had attacked and attempted to exterminate all of pony kind. There'd been six ministries that had done all they could to end the war and find peace for pony kind. They'd failed. It might have been unfair of me, but I hoped that they'd done more to try and end the war than just make pithy quotes for posters. It had been a little amusing, and a little disturbing, to see Scoodle handling the revolver from the farmhouse as casually as if it were a toy. No, not a toy. She wasn't playing with it. She understood it was a weapon. She understood how to use it. She didn't even have her cutie mark yet, and she was better with guns than P-21. There was something profoundly depressing about that. When we'd gathered the weapons and ammo from all the raiders, it proved a somewhat daunting amount of firearms. How are we going to carry all of that? I asked as I looked at the heap. There were at least four rifles, a shotgun, a revolver, the automatic pistols, two knives, a cleaver, two grenades, and the assorted junk we'd taken from the raiders. Between P-21 and me, we'd be able to do it but it would still be quite a wait. You don't need to carry all of it, Scoodle said as she looked at the heap. Well, you wouldn't if you had some tools. What you can do is take them apart and just put the best pieces together. Take them apart? I levitated a rifle and concentrated. It was tough to telekinetically hold an object while messing with one small part of it, but I was able to unscrew and disassemble the various portions of the weapon. Immediately... I saw what the teal pony had been talking about. Some of the screws on one rifle were almost rust-free. Another had a completely intact slide. One had a superior barrel. Of course, I had to listen closely to her directions as I assembled one weapon from four. When finished, my pitbuck suddenly showed a much higher value for my new rifle than any of the original four. How it knew that was slowly driving me crazy. When I finished, I loaded five rounds into the clip and had a comforting click as it loaded smoothly. What about the rest of this? P-21 asked as he opened up the duffel bag. To be honest, it looked more like a garbage bag with all the junk inside. Scoodle looked at it with a smirk. Well, if it's light, take it. There'll be some pony that'll buy it for caps. If it's heavy and worthless, just toss it unless you're close to a buyer. Most ponies haul around as much as they can carry, and when they find something good, they'll drop some more junk. Otherwise, just let the finders worry about the coffee cups and stuff. She looked in the bag, and the teal pony frowned, seeming to be thinking of something unpleasant, and then smiled. Oh, and keep the caps. They're money. Bottle caps. Did they really use bottle caps for money? From all the glares Scoodle received from the others, it was pretty clear they weren't happy with her mentioning it. Scoo! shouted the pink pony, boing. We're supposed to tell the stable folk they're trash, remember? I saw that the teal pony that had been so helpful was getting upset, so I adopted my easiest smile as I looked down at the fillies. Well, I'm pretty sure she just wanted to be helpful after all the things that happened last night, remember? 
Scoodle definitely picked up at that, but the others still didn't look too happy. I couldn't blame them. I'd be ticked too if I saw some rube talked out of unloading a stack of bits back in 99. Once we were outside and under the clouds, I felt a little vertigo. I still didn't look up. I'd like to have think that I'd get over this eventually, but somehow I didn't think I would. Not completely. Still, as long as I kept my gaze at or below the horizon, I felt with it enough to move on. The road we walked along was faded and crumbly, but I felt a little more confidence with a clear path in front of me. While the open spaces to my sides weren't as overwhelming as above, I still liked to pretend I was surrounded by nice straight halls. At first, I'd been nervous about accompanying the Crusaders in my current condition, particularly with P-21 being so stubborn about not carrying a firearm. Scoodle assured me that the Crusaders could handle themselves and that the Raiders' capture was simply a case of bad luck. I passed out what weapons and ammo I had, saving the rifle for myself. I might not have known the specifics, but I knew which end went bang. I admit, I was sceptical as many of the Crusaders chattered quite openly about what would happen when they go to town. Then I noticed that Scoodle and Boing weren't joining in the conversations. When we encountered some strange spiny animals rooting through the rotten ditch beside the wall, all they had to do was stop, and the conversations ended. The five unarmed fillies disappeared into cover on the far side of the road. In fact, given how quickly P-21 disappeared as well, I was feeling just a little bit exposed standing alone in the middle of the road. Only once Scoodle and I had finished off the last of the strange mutated animals did my worries about them fade. If it hadn't have been for my EFS, I wouldn't have known where any of the others were hiding. Once the danger was past, the Crusaders came out and at once carefully carved off some pieces of meat, wrapping them in some scrap paper from my duffel bag. I tried to hide my disgust as I asked, What are you doing with that, Scoodle? Huh? She looked up with a bloody knife clenched in her jaws. I did my best not to shudder. She stuck the tip in the corpse and answered brightly, Oh, this? Rathog is good eating. I just turned my back and busied myself with not being nauseous or watching them finish their work. I'd stick with the sugar apple bombs. The trip along the road was made far easier by my EFS picking up threats before they actually engaged us. The most prevalent were the bloat sprites and the radhogs. The wildlife seemed incredibly aggressive, and even lone radhogs didn't hesitate to charge our group. I took the opportunity to talk with Scoodle about the wasteland. She seemed to delight in knowing more about the wastes than P-21 or myself. See, there's three kind of folks. You got folks that'll help you out, folks that'll put a bullet through your noggin, and folks that won't lift a hoof for you, but probably won't kill you unless they got a reason. Makes sense, Blackjack? Plenty. So, which of the Crusaders? I asked with a little smile, half teasing and half curious. We're the third. Unless you're on your own. Most folk are. She said without hesitation. Crusaders look out for our own, and any filial cult needs protecting. Past that, we take care of ourselves. Not to insult you, but how do you take care of yourselves at all? P-21 asked in his calm voice. What? You think just because we're young, we're helpless? And with a flick of her head, she scooped the pistol out of her holster and pointed it right at his head as if she had a sat spell herself. Then she grinned around the handle before spitting the pistol back into her holster. We don't fight lest we gotta. We stick together and hard when we can. We've got lots of forts around we can haul up to if we need to. She said as she trotted along. See, 
We can get in places big ponies like yourselves can't. We find all sorts of good stuff in cellars and tunnels and stuff. She sure seemed confident. And then I reminded myself that these children lived in a brutal environment. Weak things didn't seem to last long in the wasteland. That was for sure. What about these finders? Shoot, finders only care about the caps. You got caps? They're the best buds in the world. You got nothing, and they'll piss on you as soon as they look at you. Finders ain't no ponies, friends, and don't you believe them when they say otherwise. Scoodle and the other crusaders definitely didn't seem very happy, even though we were apparently heading towards their town. So, who might help us? I asked her. Help you with what? She asked in return. That was a very good question. P21 and I hadn't really talked about what our next step was. I had one goal, but I didn't want to involve P21 just yet. I wasn't really sure how we'd handle it. Beyond that... Information! Somebody attacked my stable. I want to know why and what for. I described Deus, and the filly immediately looked concerned. Well, from what you said... I'm guessing he's a reaper. Why does that just scream bad to me? I ask sarcastically, getting a smirk in return. Reapers is what happens when raiders grow up. They're the baddest of the baddest. Don't take shit off no pony. There's only a hundred of them, because the only way to join is to kill another reaper hoof to hoof. Monsters one and all, Scoodle said darkly. I lost a reaper now, Boing said to Scoodle. Our lost's too nice to be a reaper, so it'd never happen, Scoodle countered. Our lost? I asked, curious about this little digression. Crusader, one of the first, got us started with the Reverend, Boing said as she bounced on her hooves in glee. I heard they had a thing, but then they had a fight and she went to join the reapers. So what? I should just go and ask a reaper for info? That sounded just a little suicidal to me. Well, not unless you want a busted leg. Scooter looked down at P-21's limp and flushed a little. Sorry. Looking back at me, she went on. Reapers is folk, though. Gotta cozy up to them, or pay them off in caps. The only time Reapers join up is if some pony's crazy enough to attack them at the arena. Any pony else that might help? The first kind. I added with a small smile. Scoodle seemed to mentally scan her list. Well, there's DJ Pwn3 on the radio, but he's off in Manhattan. But he knows stuff going on everywhere. You can hear him all over the place. Peter went one and I shared a look and added it to the mind-bogglingly long list of what the fuck are they talking about? There's also them society ponies. I guess they technically count since they do help. Bunch of stuck-up thoroughbreds that give you a meal and then tell you how thankful you should be for getting it. They sound like a joy, I muttered. Any pony else? Well, you could talk to the college ponies. Call themselves the cul... C- uh, cum... Um... Well, most folks just call them eggheads. They're way over past the core, but you might run across them. They want to fix Equestria. Dunno how. They're nice to us most often. If we ever come down with worms, we always ask them for help. They got this medicine that'll clean you out lickety-split. I winced at that. Thanks for the tip. Oh, you forgot the Steel Rangers. Boing said as she made machine gun noises. I didn't forget him, was going to mention him, she said sourly at the pink filly. Rangers might help you, they might not, might shoot you. They got their own things going on, mostly trying to figure out how them robo-ponies work at the core, 
I can tell you they won't give us a glass of piss. Robo-ponies? P-21 asked curiously. <laughs> That's what they are, so don't you laugh. Pony gadgets wandering all over the core. Dangerous critters too. You see a pony made out of wires and lights, you best run. Can't kill them. Scoodle frowned in thought. There's the clavers if you want, but I don't trust them one bit. The Enclave are Pegasus ponies. They're going to swoop down and save us all. Boyne cried with a little cheer. A few of the other fillies also looked hopeful. I believe him when I see the sun, Scoodle replied sullenly. They give me the willies. They're no worse than ghouls, Boyne countered. Then ghouls will eat you. Scoodle caught my look. She sighed and rolled her eyes, explaining to the clueless stable ponies. Ghouls is ponies that are, well, they look dead, but they ain't. I've been to Meat Locker, and they wasn't nothing but friendly to me. The certainty faded a little, and she amended. Well, some of them might try to eat you, but they ain't no different from raiders. Ghouls, Enclave, Steel Rangers, Eggheads, Society, Reapers, Finders, Crusaders. I was suddenly getting a picture of Hoofington as a city with different stables all round it. Each group fighting against the others for control and dominance. P-21 looked at Scoodle as he asked, You mentioned the core. What is that? The core? It's what got blowed up in the big war. I heard there was all kinds of tech and stuff being studied there. At least it was before the zebras blowed it to smithereens. It wasn't the zebras? Boing jumped in. Them ponies made something that blowed up in their faces. I heard that Princess Celestia sent the whole city to the moon right before the bombs went kablowing, offered a grey unicorn filly. Another quickly shook her head. Nuh-uh, it was a dragon. Biggest, scariest dragon of all. And he breathed green fire. That's what the bombs did, you ninny, Scoodle roared. I winced at their noise, wondering if this is how they got caught in the first place. I drifted a little to the side to let them argue over what precisely destroyed Hoofington, while I leaned towards P-21. So, what do you think? He locked me with his level, cool gaze. I think they should be quieter, unless they're trying for more Radhog meat. I mean about what we should do. While I don't mind helping ponies who need it, I doubt that Reaper has given up. We need more information. I lifted my pit buck. We need to learn about that Reaper. We need to find out what EC-1101 is, and why it was worth attacking Stable 99. Did the Overmare say anything about it, Blackjack? P-21 asked as he looked at the bones of ponies lying along the road. Oh, I'd completely forgotten about the files he transferred to my pit buck. Um... Not yet. There might be a clue about EC-1101. He pointed out in his calm, reasonable voice that was just a little aggravating. I know, I know. I'll just check it when we stop. I said with a soft huff. And then I noticed Boing listening in. Something up, Boing? I asked. Not sure if I should be angry or not. Hmm? Oh, nothing. She said with a giggle as she bounced back along to the other crusaders. That's a lot of bones. As we proceeded southwest along the road, the skeletal remains grew thicker and thicker, and the crusaders grew quieter and quieter. Rags and the rusty bits intermixed with the bleached bones as scattered white lumps turned into a nearly a solid sheet. 
Then mounds and piles of gleaming white remains rose to either side of the road. My pitbuck chirped. Boneyard appeared on the map. I noticed the girls weren't talking anymore. Now they looked wary and looked right in the middle of the road cleared of the remains. What happened here? P21 asked, keeping his voice low. Scooter looked at us and then pointed ahead. When Hoof went boom, lots of ponies tried to run through it along the road. She pointed the way we came. That way's Manhattan. And when Manhattan went boom, lots of ponies from there came running for the hoof. Thousands and thousands. They all got bunched up here and died. She glanced warily at the heaps of bones around us. Don't touch anything. Why not? As far as I could see, there was lots of stuff for the taking and not a single threat to be seen. There's bad stuff here. Ghouls and Tiara. That was all she said before she bit down on the pistol again and continued walking. The whispering was beginning to creep me out, but I wasn't about to raise my voice not knowing what might be around. There were hundreds of busted wagons and carts scattered amid the skeletal remains. Lots of boxes, even some ammo crates. I looked at the crusaders keeping an eye all around them and ignoring the ammunition right beside us. We should take some of this. I whispered as we passed a tipped over wagon half buried by bones. I couldn't see a single target on the EFS, aside from the eight of us. Scooter looked at me with an expression of horror and outrage, shaking her head. There's nothing here. I couldn't explain the pitbuck's targeting system to some pony that had never worn one before. I think you should listen to her, P21 murmured. That did it for some reason. Philly's scared of bones I could accept, but being told what to do by a pony that wouldn't carry a weapon himself just annoyed the shit out of me. My mane was itching in irritation, and I wasn't about to pass up something that could keep us all safe. It's fine, I said as I reached out with my horn, grabbed a nice heavy ammo box, and pulled it from the bones. The bones clattered in to fill the void left behind, filling the still air with a dry rattle. And then I saw a creature within the heap of bones. It looked like a pony that had been cooked well past done. And now that it was exposed, it began to move. It reared up and opened its maw wide, letting out a scream that no living pony could make. And then, it was answered. Instantly, a pitbuck came alight with red bars as horrific screams raised in the air. The mounds around me shifted and from the depths emerged chunks of rotting meat clinging to pony frames. Shredded lips allowed jagged mouths to open far wider than any living ponies could. There was nowhere to run. They stepped out onto the road in both directions. Heads! was all Scoodle shouted before drawing her gun and taking aim at the running forms. I wasn't familiar with the rifle at all, but I knew that I should use it before they closed the distance. I popped sats, but the rifle required a great deal more energy per shot than my pistol or shotgun. I carefully lined up my shot in that moment of frozen time, and then released the spell. I could almost see the bullet as it spun through the air, striking the ghoul pony in the head and blasting it apart into meaty chunks. Without sats, I had a harder time lining up the shots. What took one round to the head would require four to the chest. The Crusaders were holding up better than I anticipated. Maybe the fact we were ridiculously outnumbered, 
I'm probably going to die help them focus on putting every round into the screaming ghoul ponies' heads. P-21, unarmed, simply kicked and shoved to try to keep the ghouls off the crusaders. Scoodle's revolver blasted ghoul after ghoul, not firing till she had a headshot. She'd be an amazing marks pony when she grew up, a pony to be feared and respected. But as she turned to gun down one, two others pounced on her. Sats recharging, I tried desperately to line up the rifle, but the shots failed to drop them. One ghoul pony gripped Scoodle by her haunches, the other by her shoulders. With monstrous strength, they each pulled their half. The teal filly was ripped in two before my eyes. I fell into a moment of horror that felt like a sats that would never end, as I saw with terrible clarity the organs and viscera pouring out over the asphalt. I smelled the wash of blood, even over the unnatural reek of the undead monsters around me. I saw the stunned look on her face as she slowly fell, and a pony that had weathered raiders and who knew what else died because of my stupidity. I knew that I would never stop seeing that image for as long as I lived. No! I roared, rage seeming to guide my shots. Despite the tears blurring my vision, I laid down a rain of fire such that even the ghouls were momentarily beaten back. Every other bullet seemed to find skulls and vulnerable joints, though my horn ached from the effort. When the rifle clicked on an empty chamber, a telekinetic stream of bullets flowed from my bag into the magazine, and my attack continued. But there were more ghouls than I had bullets, and every second it seemed like more of the mindless monsters emerged from the bone piles. Soon the rifle went from firearm to club. There were just too many and too close for it to be effective. I'd have given my teeth for some shotgun shells. The monsters were starting to surround and overwhelm us, snapping with their broken teeth and kicking with shattered hooves. I would happily have stayed there till I was torn to pieces, but there were five more crusaders and P-21 on the line. They were all going to die, and it was my fault. It couldn't get any worse than this, I thought. I'd soon think to myself, Oh, silly blackjack. It can always get worse. The scream from a nearby bone pile froze us all in place. A luminous green light spilled forth from a ghoul pony that had once started my pit buck clicking. Tiara! The ghoul screamed, looking down at us with its baleful gaze. The presence of this glowing abomination was tempered by one saving grace. Its presence made the hordes of ghouls back away momentarily. Tiara, is that you? Step by step, it approached, and my pit buck began to click faster and faster. I glanced behind me at the scratched and clawed crusaders. If there was any way I could get them out of this nightmare, I'd take it. I put on my best smile and approached the glowing ghoul pony. Um, yes, it's me, Tiara. I looked at the glowing cutie mark etched in her blackened flank. Was it a mirror? No, a rattle. No? Really? I think I lost my glasses. Up close, I could see that the glasses weren't lost. They were melted. Glistening glass clung in cracked, fluid shards, the blackening metal frame now seared to the flesh. Behind them, eyes glowed. She raised both her hooves with a creepy smile. I frowned as I hesitated. What was she doing? Holding them up like she was going to do a... A hoof shake! 
I immediately tapped my hooves against hers. Instantly she smiled. Bump, bump, shugalump, rump! She intoned, not seeming to notice me scrambling to match her moves. Oh, it is you, Diamond Tiara! I've missed you so much! She pulled me into an embrace, my pitbuck clicking like mad. Um, yes, it's been a long time. I held the hug for as long as I dared before backing away. A glance at my pitbuck saw the needle entering the yellow. Yeah, it's been much too long. Work it all. Once more, luck saved us as my eyes glanced around the rusty debris around us. A brown metal spoon caught my eye. How have you been? Uh, spoon. I prayed to the goddesses that it was part of her name, not something like Ladle. But my guests had been lucky enough to get a sigh of frustration. Oh, it's been terrible since I lost my glasses. I think something very bad happened, and I was looking for somebody who might be able to direct me to the Ministry of Peace for a new pair. I simply can't process all these stable orders for Golden without my glasses. She leaned towards me and missed me leaning away. You know what that pink hag told me? She said, Silver Spoon, if you can't bake cupcakes, then you have to clean the pans. Like, what does that even mean? Well, there's uh, just so much um, work to do. I glanced over and saw a trio of ghouls devouring Scoodle while I chatted with the monster that was slowly irradiating us. And speaking of work, I really should get back to it. Busy, busy, busy. I said as I grimaced fighting the urge to charge down the ghouls defiling the slain filly. You work far too hard at that silly prison. They should give you more time off. Her glowing eyes turned to the Crusaders and P-21. Is that what you're doing now? I didn't think you had to escort them yourselves. I closed and opened my mouth, at a loss, and simply gave a smile and an exaggerated shrug. She sighed. We really should get together next week. You know, sometimes I think something terrible is going to happen. I really do. Something terrible did happen, and a small part of it was my fault. Well, take care of yourself, Silver Spoon. Then I looked at the old ghoul ponies waiting around us. I don't suppose you could ask them to step aside? Oh, sure, she said brightly as she faced the ghouls. Like, get out of the way, losers, and find my glasses. Slowly... The yellow dots began to disappear as the ghouls dug their way into the bone mounds. Well, I'd better keep looking. Otherwise, that hag is going to have me scrubbing pans again. Or whatever. I dared look back at Scoodle. Nothing remained but bloody bone and scattered flesh. I tried to find an excuse to go and collect the remains. In truth, with my pitbuck's needle in the red, I almost wanted to stay a little longer chatting with Silverspoon until I was just as dead. I couldn't. I had six others who might need my protection, as flimsy as it was. We walked silently for several minutes before from behind us came the plaintive wail of, Tiara! Tiara! Where are you? 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It was half an hour before we exited the boneyard. It didn't take long for the radiation I'd been soaking in to catch up with me and have me puking up my lunch. I felt like crap. I deserved to feel like crap. My guts gurgled, and every square inch of my body felt like it had been beaten. The Crusaders didn't say a single word. They didn't look at me, or each other, but I could almost hear their thoughts in the back of my mind saying over and over again, she killed Scoodle for a box of bullets. Finally clear, I looked behind me, trying for some kind of smile, something to make this not the utter disaster that it was. Safe and... Only P-21 was behind me. Sound. I looked at the long dead grass and bare bushes along the road. There was no sign of the Crusaders to be had. They left. How profoundly insightful I'd become since I'd fucked up. Yeah, a little bit ago. He replied evenly as he looks along the road. I think there's a house up there. We can rest and take care of you. I don't want to be taken care of. I muttered softly. I'm sorry, did you say something? P-21 walked in front of me, his sure blue eyes bearing down into mine. Sometimes we don't get what we want. He said as he nudged me towards a single-story house beside the road. Sometimes... We don't get to sit around and have pity parties for our mistakes. Sometimes we just have to keep going, because otherwise we might as well just die. That's what I started to say. He hit me hard enough to knock me on my side. I stared up into the sky, and I felt my guts churn and my pupils contract. I'm sorry? Were you about to say you wanted to die? Is that it? He said as he glared down at me. If you were this weak, you should have just given yourself to Deus and be done with it. I killed Scoodle! I yelled up at him. It felt like a confession. Yeah, you did, you fucking idiot! He screamed back down at me. Didn't I tell you to listen to her? Didn't you say to me that I knew what's right when it comes to this sort of thing? But she's dead, Blackjack! And unless you wallowing in pity or dying will somehow magically bring her back to life, then this is accomplishing nothing except indulging in your own selfish wishes. I slowly opened my eyes, looking into his. He hated me. I hated me. Yet, no matter how much I wanted to be done, I had to admit, he was right. Me dying right now wouldn't bring back Scoodle. It wouldn't right some great cosmic wrong and fix anything. It would just be another corpse in the wastelands. I'm so sorry, 
I whispered softly. Then prove it, Blackjack. Live and don't ever fuck up like that again. Learn from this, because if you ever kill another pony through stupidity, then I will fucking end you. He shoved his head under my shoulders and turned me over so I no longer stared into that terrible void above. Only now, I had an equally vast void within me, and I couldn't look away from it. When I'd been a little filly, I'd been drilled on the various stages of radiation poisoning. Nausea arrived first, followed rapidly by diarrhea, headache, muscle weakness and fatigue, bruising, main loss, neurological disorders, and at the most extreme end, being cooked by the prolonged exposure. That was the flesh-melting radiation I was so concerned about. P21 managed to get me into the derelict house after I'd shat myself, but before I collapsed. Lying on my side on a filthy mattress, I felt like I was rotting from the inside out. That wasn't completely inaccurate, as the next time my bowels moved, it was to dump blood over my hind legs. I drifted between guilt-ridden consciousness and blissful unconsciousness. The worst was when I was stuck between the two. I saw Deus laughing at me as he saw off my pitbuck with a chainsaw penis. The Overmare reminded me that I was ultimately disposable. The little orange pony figurine told me that she could only help so much. I'd have to get up and be strong on my own. I felt eyeglasses melting onto my face and covering my cheeks in cracked glass. Scoodle's severed head lay on the bed next to me and whispered softly over and over again, Stable's ponies don't know nothing. Don't. Touch. Anything. All the while, P21 nursed me back to health. He'd disappear for hours on end, and I'd lie there, wondering if he'd died or simply moved on. I didn't understand why he wasted his time with me. And yet, he did. He didn't say a word of complaint, nor did he mention anything more about the events in the boneyard. When I awoke to lucidity feeling like a clogged-up toilet, I saw the Spritebot hovering over my face. Watcher cleared his throat. So, is this it? I carefully raised my head. The Spritebot wasn't transforming into some face-eating nightmare. Watcher? Yeah, that's me. What about you, Blackjack? Is this it? Is this the point where the wasteland breaks you? The Spritebot looked particularly solemn as it hovered above me. Carefully, I pushed myself up and covered my face with my hooves. I fucked up, Watcher. You're not the first. And, I can be blunt, your fuck-up only killed one filly. I've known ponies whose fuck-ups killed millions. And so on the grand scale of fuck-ups, I think you're overrating yourself. Slowly, I dropped my hooves from my face to look up at the little machine as it went on. So I'm asking you, is this it? Are you just a pony that wallows in self-pity and kicks herself for a mistake, or not? Because if this is it, then I'll leave you be. I can't help you. You can't help any pony. It would have been easy to fold right then. But as I sat on the edge of the bed, damn me, I couldn't help smiling as I looked at the machine. I reeked of vomit, crap, blood and despair. But I still felt my lips curl mirthlessly as I looked at the device. Are you on that grand scale of fuck-ups too, Watcher? 
there was a long pause, and I wondered if I'd offended him to the point that he would just wash his hooves of me. Yeah, I am. Did your fuck-up kill someone who didn't deserve it? There was silence, and I knew he wouldn't answer. He didn't have to. I sat there for a minute longer, looking at my hooves. I was so proud when I saved those girls from those raiders. Now... I closed my eyes and gripped my teeth. It would be so easy just to give up. Fold the hand, cash in the chips. Quitters might not go bust, but they'd also never make it big. I opened my eyes as I looked right at the machine, wondering what Watcher's face looked like right now. Finally, I asked softly, So, how do I move on, Watcher? You do everything you can to make up for it, knowing that you'll never succeed in getting rid of the guilt. You devote yourself to spending every second trying to do better, despite the fact that it will never be enough. And you pray with every single good act you do, that somehow when your life is over, that your lifetime will come close to making up for the wrong you committed. Watcher spoke so clear and true that I couldn't stop smiling and crying at the same time. Well, that sounds like a plan, I whispered. So, where do I start? As it turns out, starting involved me getting off that filthy bed and finding some radway before I either died outright or grew a second head. And while that might have doubled my smarts, it wasn't something I was exactly looking forward to. On the plus side, Watcher knew a possible source of the radiation purging drug. A sky carriage had crashed with a load of Ministry of Peace supplies that hadn't been scavenged. The reason was simple. Those are some nasty looking reptiles. I muttered as I looked down at the lake surrounded by dead trees and gangly weeds. A small island on a cove was connected to the mainland by a rotten bridge. I could barely make out the sight of the upside down carriage mixed in with the remains of a gazebo. P21 and I were crouched in the flattered remains of a small cottage, a small ways above the grey waters of the small lake. Lake McIntosh appeared on my pitbuck map. I had no idea what the reptiles might be. No doubt if I put a hunk of their remains in my bag, something would pop up. In his scavenging, P-21 had rounded up six rounds for the rifle and six shotgun shells. It would have to do. You're being stupid again, P-21 warned me. Like ending me stupid? No, just standard stupid. That means I'm improving, I said, and he even smiled at it, shaking his head. I looked out at the gazebo and crashed carriage. The EFS informed me that there were three, but after the boneyard, I wasn't going to take it for granted. I'm dying without that radaway, I said as I slumped against the mossy foundation stones. A few more days and I'll go like old Hostage. Sam wrong. He pressed his lips together as he scowled at me. Let me sneak over there and get it, he pressed. No, I replied firmly. I appreciate all the help you've given me, P-21, but I'm not going to let you risk your life for mine over this. He might be sneaky, but I had no idea if these mutated animals could sniff him out. I wasn't about to let him take that chance. Let me? You're dying of radiation poisoning, Blackjack. How are you planning to stop me? 
he asked as he turned towards the ruined gazebo. I just looked at him, then down at the lounging mutant alligators. The rifle came up, and without any hesitation, I fired a shot right into a mutant gator. It gave a bellow and rose out of the water, charging towards the two of us. P-21 stared at me with a scathing look that would have done any raider proud, his eyelid twitching, before he turned and ran for cover. I'm sorry, P-21, but I've got to save my own life this time, I said as I faced down the enemy. One way or another, it was about to be resolved. I triggered my sats and placed two rounds exactly in the forehead of my target. The fourth round caught his eye, and the beast staggered. The fifth missed. The final round, three past what I'd hoped to use, dropped the beast in its tracks. I discarded the rifle and backed away up the hill as rapidly as I could. The radiation poisoning and fever were slowing me down, but it still kept the gators in front of me. Out came the shotgun as the two closed in. The recharge on my sack slowed to a crawl as I unloaded shot after shot into the leading crocodile. Three shots left. Two. One. The buckshot of the final round scattered its brains across its back. Unfortunately, I was now out of ammo. This would normally be the point where I would die and P-21 would take over and probably do the wasteland a lot more good. There was just one catch. I wasn't done paying for a little teal pony. As the gator lunged, my magic flipped the shotgun vertical and rammed it into the gator's mouth. It hissed and tried to claw at the pump action the weapon bending under the ferocious strength of its jaws. From my saddlebags, I floated an apple-shaped grenade and plunged it straight into the radigator's maw. My telekinesis plucked the stem from the tip as it disappeared down the gator's throat. Five, four, three, two, one. Huh. The shotgun snapped in two, and immediately I backed away, trying to draw out my last grenade. The mutant gator exploded in a nice spray of faintly radioactive blood. Given the massive dose I'd already taken, I quickly moved away before I simply keeled over dead. I really didn't want to win and then fall over. Slowly, I staggered my way down towards the rotten bridge in the gazebo. P-21 emerged at my side, feeling better. His tone might have been snide, but there was some sincerity in his question. A little bit. I replied. The wastelands were giving me a brutal education, but I would rise to the challenge. I'd be stronger, and I'd try never to let my stupidity endanger another pony if I could. I know you wanted to help me, P-21, and I'm sorry that I couldn't let you this time. He rolled his eyes and gave a long sigh. And I'm back in the stable again. I detected more than a little bitterness in that comment. I looked over at him in confusion as we walked over the bridge. Uh Huh? He rounded on me, teeth bared as he glared with undisguised anger. My whole life, I've had Maz telling me what I can and can't do. I wasn't even allowed the option of turning a mare down if she was on my breeding rotation. He gave a little snort. Did you know some males in 99 would cut or beat themselves just to get a break? Just to do something we wanted instead of what we were instructed to do? I honestly didn't have a clue. I could barely imagine. We all had to do things that we didn't want to in 99. I didn't want to be in security. That was how 99 went. You did what you were told, filled your role, 
and never thought outside of it. You didn't want to be anything, Blackjack. If there was a sit-on-my-tail-and-play-cards-all-day job, you'd have been fine. But otherwise, you wouldn't have been happy doing anything, he said as we approached the wrecked gazebo. The rusty skywagon still had bright yellow paint and a pink butterfly visible. Inside were a number of rotten and rusty boxes, but there were at least three that appeared intact. Tell me you had some pining need to be a maintenance mayor like Rivets, or did you curse your rotten luck that you missed out on protein recycling duty, or an exciting future in waste management? Well, I stammered. He stood there, staring at me with his lips pressed together. Can we hold this conversation until after I'm not irradiated? I asked with a feeble smile. No. No, I don't think so. I think I want to have this conversation now. He said in his firm and irritated voice. I could see now the dam had been cracked, and nothing was going to stop this deluge. So, what is it, Blackjack? If you had the choice to not be in security, what would you do, huh? He stomped to the first box clenched his teeth on the bobby pin, and started on the lock. And to be honest, I didn't know what to answer. I'd always thought that I was stuck with security, which meant I resented it. To be honest, though, it hadn't been a bad job. Taking males out of the population was about the worst it got. There was dealing with the overmare more closely, but there were plenty of ponies that worked a lot harder than I had, whose jobs were far more critical to the survival of the stable, I... I guess you're right. I guess security wasn't that bad for me. I admitted. I was also too tired and feverish to do more than sit on my butt as he worked. What about you, P21? Tell me what you wanted to do. He kept his glare on the lock. I sighed. If you want, that is. He glanced at me and then opened the lock. Inside were two healing potions and some Radex. Don't let radiation get you down. The label read, I wanted to be a teacher. He finally said, softly, A teacher? I winced at the scepticism in my voice. I just couldn't imagine a male doing that. Yes, a teacher. He examined one rusty lock on the second, jammed in the screwdriver, and gave it a hard twist. With a pop, it just opened right up. Before I was P1... I tried to learn all I could about arcane science. That was how I knew duct tape so well. I studied off her as she went through training. I thought that if I knew enough that maybe the Overmare would let me teach, I would have been fine doing both jobs. He opened up the crate and took out two empty syringes and two boxes of some kind of canned meat. Know what the Overmare said? She said she let me teach sex education in my breeding rotation. I winced. That sounded just like her. I lay down, feeling light-headed. My eyes stared at the third container as he attacked the lock with a bobby pin and a screwdriver. Still, a teacher, I said as I closed my eyes, feeling exhausted. I, I bet you would have been good at it. I saw how you were with the Crusaders. He glanced at me and then carefully adjusted the lockpick. There was a quiet scraping noise as he worked whatever magic he did, and then a soft click as the top opened. Inside were three clear plastic pouches filled with amber fluid. Radaway, your source of radiation relief. It proclaimed, Well, if it's any consolation, I think you were one of the best mares in security. 
no pony else would have tried to stop Daisy and Marmalade from beating the snot out of a male. And you were the one who came up with the idea to lay Deus out of the stable. You have no idea how depressing that statement is, I said. He hoofed me the first pouch, and after fiddling with the straw for a moment, I slurped it down. Ooh, orangey. On my pit buck, the rand meter dropped a bit closer towards yellow. By the time all three doters were inside me, the needle hovered around the middle of the yellow band. I still felt crummy, but a little better than I had before. With luck, I wouldn't lose my mane or turn into one of those ghoul things. I was just being stupid, I muttered, keeping my eyes down. I have a habit of doing that. You have a habit of being reckless, Blackjack. What you did was brave, even with that glowing ghoul. I never would have thought to talk to it or do hoof bumps. He said calmly as he proceeded to dig through the remains of the cart as the drug did its work. Sadly, there were no bullets to be found on a Ministry of Peace sky carriage. He did, however, find a glowing marble in the wreckage of the gazebo. What's this? I held out my hoof and looked at it. Well, it wasn't radioactive. It didn't go bang and it didn't seem edible. I dropped it in my bag and frowned as Lake Macintosh Memory Orb appeared in my inventory. How the heck did my pitbuck know what it was when even I didn't? No clue. I'll worry about it later. Standing, I had to admit that I felt stronger. Not 100% yet, but better. So does this mean the next time I see Watcher I can tell him we're friends? I was only half serious, but the other half was curious about his thoughts. No, he replied firmly, then gave me a grudging smile. But we're closer to it than we were. Well... That means I'm improving. Footnote. Level up. Skill note. Guns to 50. New perk. Run and gun. Better accuracy with ranged weapons while moving. Quest perk. Minor mutation. Rad sight. When under the effect of minor radiation poisoning, gain plus one perception in low light conditions. Minus 15 to sneak and speech while not wearing sunglasses, authority glasses, or mirrored sunglasses. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everyone. Sorry I've been gone for so long. Whole storybook's been busy getting themselves learned. I don't have anything deep or insightful to say about this episode, besides a very graphic and visceral description of the sour taste it left in my mouth. Poor fucking Scoodle. No feeling needs to die, never mind being torn in two by a pack of ghouls. You know I said that this book doesn't tone down what the wasteland is like. This is what I mean. It only gets worse from here. Now you understand why there are going to be certain scenes that I'm leaving out for the benefit of my younger listeners. Anyway, music time. Here's Prince Whateverer with Between Fairy Tales and Happy Endings. Enjoy, people!
There's nothing wrong with things so I want me corrected Why can't you just let me do what I do? I'm not hurting anyone, so why are you? Could you try and change who I am?